Don't you just love church? I just love it. I love being here, being in the presence of God. Don't you just feel you've been in the presence of God this morning? Oh, it's just so exciting. Well, good morning. Thank you for an interesting introduction, Joel. Um, I'd just like to say it's an absolute privilege, an absolute privilege to come here this morning and to share some thoughts with you. Um, Joel's stolen the first few lines of the talk. You'll be glad to know. I was going to say that we were coming about three quarters away through the series. And this morning, God says, stay hopeful. So turn to the person next to you and say, stay hopeful. I don't think we've quite got this yet. I really do go for audience participation and some sort of encouragement that you're agreeing with something I say. At the moment, I don't think that's too controversial. So if you could turn to the person next to you and say, stay hopeful. Good. I feel that we're going to get on quite well this morning. Right. Um, well, I have camped for most of my life. Um, having three boys, it's probably the best type of holiday. I don't think that they would have managed too well in five-star hotels. Although, probably now, that's my preference. Um, sometimes camping is absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Particularly when we used to go to the south of France. The weather's beautiful, you can rely on it, and all is well. But sometimes in my camping experience, it's been a little more challenging. Um, when I first started camping, now I won't talk about guide camp, that was horrendous. Um, but if we talk about, I used to go to a youth camp when I was young. And the first thing you had to do was fill this bag with straw. And that was your mattress. So, yeah. Yes, they, there's a real name. It's French. They're called palliasses. You need to be as old as I am to know really what they were like. And you would sleep on those for four weeks. Was not very comfortable. Um, and then most of my stories were from many years ago. Um, I went to the Dales Bible Week. Anyone else here been to the... Oh, yes, the Dales Bible Week. Well, the particular year that I went, the theme song was Our God Reigns. And so it did. The whole week. I mean, it was ridiculous. And at one point, I mean, we were amongst the lucky ones because we were camping towards the top of the hill, but the rain trickled through the tent like a stream. So that wasn't so good. People had to move to the cattle sheds to camp. Not such a good experience. There was another time um, that I remember. This was um, another Bible week that I'd been to and I was lying awake in the middle of the night talking to God and wondering how cold you had to be before you died of hypothermia. Um, needless to say I didn't. And then <laughs> there was another time um, when I went my, I was camping with some friends. We managed to melt the plastic, you know, on the inside of the tent because we were cooking breakfast. But fortunately, the, um, the tent didn't catch fire, so that was fine. And then I wasn't sure whether to mention this because I don't want to put you off because Focus is the week away when we all go. And if you don't know anything about it, I'd really encourage you, do come to Focus. It is fantastic. 
However, there was one time when the weather was particularly difficult and I was camping in my, quite a big tent actually on my own and I was watching the pole shake and the canvas blow and I was just wondering if the tent was going to collapse on top of me or even blow away, but it didn't. And then a few years ago, to go to Focus, um, I bought this super-duper double-height lilo. They are fantastic. But the first night, I actually managed to fall out of bed and ended up on the floor. And I'm not sure whether many campers actually fall out of bed. However, with all these years of camping experience, I've never really learned how to pitch a tent. And even now, um, I try and send my tent ahead of me if I go to focus and get one of my sons and hope that it's pitched before I get there, and it usually is. And this morning, I want us to think about where we can pitch our tents. Um, we're going to look in a moment at a passage from Acts chapter 2, and I want you just to imagine the scene for a moment. So Jerusalem is crowded because it's the Feast of Pentecost, and the disciples had just had that most amazing experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit as they were in the upper room. Um, when they started speaking in different languages, they were describing God's mighty works, and the people around them were totally confused because they were understanding, and some of them assumed that they must be drunk. But Peter then starts to explain about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And he starts by referring back to Joel, because obviously the people there might understand something of that. And then he quotes from the Psalms and something that David said. And this is what we're going to look at. This is from the message version. I think it should come up on the screen. And this is what it says. I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. He's right by my side. I'm glad from the inside out. Ecstatic. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I know you'll never dump me in Hades. I'll never even smell the stench of death. You've got my feet on the life path with your face shining sun joy all around. I don't know whether you've had this experience. I'm sure many of you had, but you know when you're reading God's word and it's as if the verses jump out at you. Have you had that experience? You notice something. You think, oh, what's that about? And that was my experience when I read those words about 25 years ago. So I'm just going to tell you a bit of my story um, it might make a bit more sense. So I became a Christian at 14. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my friend took me to church. And I became a Christian. Um, went through the youth group, which was great. Really grew in my faith in the youth group. They're so important, aren't they? You know, we just need to honor our youth workers. It's such an important job that they do. Um, and I really got to know God as I grew up in the youth group. Um, there was a very nice young man in the youth group. So I started going out with him. And at the age of 21, I got married. 
As soon as we could, we bought a house and we had our family. I had three boys. Joel's the youngest, if you'd like to know that. He has two older brothers. Um, I was a teacher. Um, my husband was an engineer and he was a church leader in his spare time. And we were really very active in our church. It was a community church and we did lots of stuff in the community. We were very heavily involved and life was great. Life was good. But in 1995, when the boys were 9, 11, and 13, my world fell apart. Because my husband, whom I'd loved since I was 15, and who I'd actually always thought was perfect, he told me that he was leaving home. He was going to set up home with somebody else. And I was completely devastated. Now, I don't know what you do in similar life-changing situations, but I felt I had a choice. Either I could give up on God, or I could run to him for all I was worth. And I'd experienced and known too much of God. I knew him too well to say there was no God. So I decided that I would run to him for all I was worth. And there might be somebody here today who is facing a life-changing situation. And I would just encourage you to run to God for all you are worth. The best way I knew how to run to God at that time was to pray and to turn to the Bible. Um, well, I was probably in a state of panic and confusion, so I didn't have a particularly systematic way of studying the Bible at that time. So what I used to do each night was just pray and open the Bible, and wherever it turned to, ask God to speak to me. And right at the beginning, just as my husband had left, this is what I turned to. These verses that said, I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. He's right by my side. I'm glad from the inside out, ecstatic. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. And as I read those words, I felt God say to me to pitch my tent in the land of hope. Did it make sense? No, of course it didn't. I felt dreadful. But was it truth and life? Yes, it was. It was the word of God. And Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And so I decided that I would pitch my tent in the land of hope. And I remember, just to help me, to remember I printed out those words and I put them on the mirror in the bathroom because when I didn't feel hopeful which was a lot of the time we've sung a song haven't we we might not feel like it but it doesn't change the truth it doesn't change the truth so I wonder how are we all doing at the moment as we think about our lives can we see God before us for all time? 
do we know that nothing can shake us because he's right by our side? How are we doing at being glad from the inside out? On a scale of one to ten, how are we doing? Being glad from the inside out. We're going to think about that in a few minutes. So I wonder where you and I have decided to pitch our tents this morning. Now, I don't know what you imagine the land of hope to look like. It sounds really idyllic, doesn't it? I don't know if you think it might look like this, or maybe this. But actually, I discovered the land of hope looked a bit more like this. It has mountains, and it has valleys, and it's quite rough at times. So I'll share a little bit more of my story. So my circumstances didn't change. And for the next four years, life was extremely challenging in many, many ways. I think Joel shared a few weeks ago, um, as my lovely husband turned away from God and the influence of the Holy Spirit, his character completely changed. When he was walking with the Spirit, he was the most amazing man. He was kind, he was gracious, he was caring and thoughtful, and he was really wise. You know, he could listen to situations and speak into them, and he would just have that word that changed things around. But as he turned away from God, he became very stubborn and angry and actually not very nice. And so the relationships were tricky, and life was very, very unpredictable. And then after a while, his work began to suffer. He'd started his own business, which was initially quite successful. But as he had different priorities, and perhaps his decision-making wasn't very um, clear, his business failed and his company was liquidated. Um, so income was very sporadic, and eventually he ended up with no income at all. So financially, um, for the family, it was quite difficult. Um, during the four years my husband and I were separated, I had, and I still have, some really close friends. And eight of those friends came and prayed every week for four years with me. Every week they came and prayed um, with all the ups and downs. So they came and prayed. And during one prayer meeting, one of them had the word reconciliation. And I just held on to that word. In the natural, didn't seem to make any sense. But in the supernatural, I'd pitched my tent in the land of hope. And after four years, quite miraculously, and very much like the prodigal son, my husband found his way back to God, and there was complete reconciliation, and he returned home. It was amazing. And so, what have I discovered about this land of hope? Now, this is not a completely exhaustive list, but I'm just going to share a few thoughts that I think might be helpful. So, in the land of hope, I discovered that God loves us. God loves us. So, 
John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John 3 verse 1 tells us, How great is the love the Father has lavished. What a great word is that. The Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Children of God. And Jeremiah 31 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. God loves us. There was one particular time when I really needed to know, and I, this is quite a practical example, I think. It's not just theory. Um, I really needed to know that God loved me. Um, my husband came back one day after he dropped the boys back after a visit, and he said to me that he couldn't bear to be in the same room as me. Now, if you can imagine, that was actually really hurtful. Really hurtful. Um, and it could have cut really deep into my heart. I don't know if you have those experiences when words are really, really painful, aren't they? And they can sometimes have a real negative effect on us. And that night, I went to a worship prayer meeting and we sang a song. Um, I think the words, it's on the next slide. These are the words that I sang. Your grace clothes me in righteousness and your mercy covers me in love. Your life adorns and beautifies. I stand complete in you. And at that moment, the truth of those words became complete reality so that the negative impact of the words earlier in the day completely disappeared because God's love was just made known to me in a very powerful way. So God loves us. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves me. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, a few people believe that God loves us. So we can pitch our tents in the land of hope. God says, stay hopeful. The second thing I learned was that God is good all of the time. God is good all of the time. Psalm 145 verse 9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. That means you and me. <laughs> you. I'm sorry. Right. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That's you and me. And in Nahum 1 verse 7, it says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. 
That means you and me. And Psalm 34 verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is... Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. What an invitation. We can taste and see that the Lord is good. When my, oh, I probably haven't told you this bit. Um, my husband was diagnosed with cancer, with prostate cancer when he was 48. And when he was quite unwell, his pastor came to visit and chat with him. And by this time, he was actually very poorly. And it was quite evident that without a miracle, he was going to die. And his pastor asked him how he was feeling about that. And this is what my husband said. He said, well, I'm in a win-win situation. If I am healed, then I get to spend more time with the family. But if I die, I get to be with my father in heaven. He knew that whatever happened, God was good all of the time. So we can pitch our tents in the land of hope. We can stay hopeful. So God loves us. God is good all the time. God never leaves us. God never leaves us. In Deuteronomy, it says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And the very familiar Psalm 23 even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. And Joshua says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. One of the most precious and life-changing experiences that I had of knowing God with me was in the early hours of the morning of January the 5th, 2000. So I mentioned my husband had been diagnosed with prostate cancer and he and all of us believed that God would heal him. We prayed about that and we felt that he was going to be healed. Initially, he responded really well to the treatment. However, after about one year, um, about a year, it became evident that his cancer was in fact terminal. And without God's supernatural intervention, he was going to die. Well, with the support of the Macmillan nurses and my sister-in-law, who was a nurse, we were able to care for him at home. And it was there that in the early hours one morning, he died. And I was with him at that time. And at the moment that he died, God's presence filled the room. It was almost, the mo it was almost tangible. And the most amazing peace filled me. 
my circumstances were not what I'd expected. And I could have been filled with bitter disappointment, that feeling that God's really let me down, he hasn't answered my prayers, he hasn't done what I thought he would do. But the overwhelming presence of God at that moment filled me with, it just reassured me when I really just wanted the world to stop. I don't know if you've had that experience. You don't know why the world's carrying on. But God hadn't left me. God was there in the most amazing way. And so I knew that all was well. And it didn't matter that he hadn't answered my prayers because he hadn't left me at all. So God never leaves us. So we can pitch our tents in the land of hope. God says, stay hopeful. And then God gives us strength. That's great, isn't it? God gives us strength. Isaiah reminds us he gives strength to the weary. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel quite weary. But God says he gives us strength. And he increases the power of the weak. That's great to reflect on, isn't it? Isaiah 40, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. It's great just to think about what these words mean, isn't it? They'll run and not grow weary. I could do with some of that, I feel. And they'll walk and not be faint. And again, that verse in Joshua that says, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. And Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. During the four years that my husband and I were separated, um, some people will remember this, it was a time in the church that people were really experiencing a fresh outpouring of God's spirit. And often when you were prayed for, God's presence was so powerful that you couldn't stay standing up and you actually had to lie down. And for a number of years, I would go to church and spend quite a lot of time lying on the carpet, just soaking in God's presence. Sometimes, God's presence felt so heavy that you didn't think you could get up. But sometimes you didn't feel anything at all, but just trusted that God was doing something. Well, when my husband and I were reconciled, we thought we would go for counseling because obviously the four years had been a bit tricky and a bit challenging and we wanted the marriage to be whole. Um, and so we went counselling, and it, we were having individual counselling. And after the first session, the counsellor said that I didn't need to carry on with counselling because there was nothing left to deal with. That doesn't make sense, does it, in the natural? And I reflected on this, and I realised that all the soaking in God's presence, just being in the presence of God had healed all the stuff 
Isn't that amazing? That's what God does. Because even though I felt incredibly weak most of the time, God gives us strength. God gives us strength. That verse in Isaiah says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And so we can pitch our tents in the land of hope. God says, stay hopeful. Just turn to the person next to you and say, stay hopeful. Yes, so much better. Um, I mentioned earlier that line that talked about being ecstatic from the inside out. You see, we can't always, well, most of the time, actually, control what happens in our lives, can we? We don't control them. But what we can do is be in control of how we face things. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And so on the inside, we know that God loves us. We know that God is good all the time. We know God never leaves us. We know that God gives us strength. So therefore, that's an important word in the Bible actually, therefore, this is just my talk. We can pitch our tents in the land of hope because of what Jesus has done for us. And these words are true for all of us. There's no situation or circumstance that any of us face where there is not hope. Now, when I go camping, I have discovered that no matter how much I look at the tent, no matter how much I wish that it would pitch itself, it doesn't. It just doesn't do it because I have to choose where I'm going to pitch it, and then I have to pitch it. And I think the challenge for all of us today is, will we pitch our tents in the land of hope? Just imagine, just imagine, what would our lives look like, our families, our workplaces, our town, what would it look like if we all chose to pitch our tent in the land of hope? And as I finish, um, I just think it would be good for us to read this scripture together and just reflect on where we all are with this. Where, where are we all? So let's just read it together. Let's go. I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. He's right by my side. I'm glad from the inside out. Ecstatic. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I know you'll never dump me in Hades. I'll never even smell the stench of death. 
you've got my feet on the life path with your face shining sun joy all around.